Well, you can feel the Holy Ghost in the room today. Praise the Lord. If I can get some more monitor guys, I'd appreciate it. You can turn me off out there. I don't care. Aren't you glad to be living for the kingdom of God in this day and age? I'd rather be connected to the Lord right now more than any human being. And He is helping us. And What a great time to be alive. We're coming down to the end. And we are so thankful to be part of the last day church. If you love your pastor, would you get loud and clap your hands and amen. That's how I gauge the atmosphere right there. Don't have to preach anything rebuking. You're doing good. You have a wonderful, amazing pastor and pastor's wife, incredible leaders. You're so blessed to have them. I give them high honor today. I love you very much. Appreciate them doing a wonderful job, and I give honor to this church, honor to my beautiful wife who is taking care of three while I got Jet the Threat with me, and we are braving it. We have a 10-hour drive last night, and then we drive four hours this afternoon to preach tonight, invite her, then six hours home after that tonight, because we got school tomorrow. You want to be an evangelist? Jesus is doing great things. And uh, I have felt for some time that this would be the direction for this service. I had a couple different messages come to me, but I felt strongly that this would be the word for the first service of this revival. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Incredible atmosphere, incredible worship. Incredible music. You guys are very blessed. Very, very blessed. So I've been traveling 18 years, and this is the first time where I've been in the service where everyone's got a mask on, even during COVID. So I'm going to assume you're with me. Zorro. Amen. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be, everyone say, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, an antidote for anxiety, an antidote for anxiety. Lord Jesus, have your way in this house. Thank you for this opportunity to be in this pulpit. I give you praise and glory and honor for what you're about to do. Hide me. Let no one hear me, see me, or feel me, but let them hear you and see you and feel you. Get into every house, every situation, every battle, every crisis, every fear, and every worry. I pray today, speak God prophetically into every circumstance as only you can in Jesus' name. And would somebody give him praise one more time by clapping your hands? Amen. Don't you love Jesus this morning? You may be seated. Before I preach, I want to give honor to Brother Chris Green, my fellow evangelist, 
while I love dearly and base is out of here. I know he's been sick and we will be continuing to pray for him fighting the virus. Anytime you see the word fear in the Bible, most of the time the word fear is translated as anxiety. Most people do not think if they deal with anxiety that they deal with fear. I'm just stressed. I, I'm just panicking. I'm worried about this. It's just some anxiety. But according to the Word of God, fear is anxiety. Anxiety is fear. And so when you are dealing with these type of situations, you are dealing with fear. We've never had more fear in our country than we do right now. It's amazing how much people are bound by fear. People that have the Holy Ghost baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, going to a powerful church, but yet worried about something that they can't even tell anyone about. Paul said, be careful for nothing. In the Greek, that literally means be anxious or have anxiety over nothing or nobody. In other words, Paul is letting everyone know right off the bat he expects the people in the church to have this spirit come against them, but when it comes against you, do not be anxious for anything. I know that's hard to believe when everything's coming up against you, but the plan of Satan is to have you constantly worried, constantly afraid, constantly stressed out, constantly wondering what's going to happen, and if you're more glued to Fox news than you are the word of God then you'll probably still have that happen but I tell you this it is the will of God that you have peace in your family in your mind in your thoughts and I have come with a message from the Lord this morning and there will be a peace that enters this atmosphere that will go to your houses with you today and I challenge every demonic power of anxiety and fear in the name of the Lord Jesus to hear the word of God. Paul said we will not be anxious for anything. Jesus said don't even worry about tomorrow. Take no thought of tomorrow. Don't worry about how you're going to eat and how you're going to be clothed. If, if I take care of the sparrows, if the lilies grow, if, if I'm taking care of flowers, don't you think I know exactly where you live right now? Someone needs to rebuke the devil and stop letting him tell you that God has forsaken you and God has forgotten you. If God knows where a bird's nest is, he knows where your house is, I promise you, right now. Paul said, here's how you defeat anxiety. First of all, by prayer. So in other words, you cannot defeat anxiety silently. You will not think your way into victory when you're in a mental war. The devil loves it when you try to fight him on your turf, your mind. You're, you'd rather fight the adversary on his turf than your turf. But hell loves it when you try to have spiritual warfare in your brain. Prayer is conversing with God. You talking to God and God talking to you. So immediately he's telling you, if you're going to defeat the fear and the worry and the anxiety, you cannot shut your mouth. You've got to start talking to God. You cannot defeat any spirit with your mouth closed. Sooner or later, when you come in this atmosphere, you might have a mask over your face, but you need to open your mouth behind the mask and let the adversary Terry, no, I'm about to talk to God. And if I talk to God, something will happen in my situation. 
He said, by prayer and supplication. It's like a connecting. Supplication is deasis in the Greek. It's needs. It's the thing you're dealing with. I've preached a message about the voice of your supplication and how you, you should voice your needs unto God, like Psalm said eight different times. And right here, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of connected to Paul, and I'm saying, okay, so you start talking to God in prayer, and then you, you start to request what you want, but that's not what he said. He, he, he brings up requesting later. He just starts talking about supplication. Supplication is informing God of the crisis. Not that God needs to be informed, but supplication is you talking to God. You've started by just talking to him. I love you, Lord. I worship you. You're amazing. But now you go from prayer to talking about where the attack is. Okay? I'm giving you a formula. He said, I want you to talk to God, then talk to God about it. Do not ask anything yet. Look at your neighbor and say, stop asking for stuff. Husbands are, well, there's some husbands staring down the wives right now. (laughs) Did not mean to go into the marriage ministry here, but something's going on. He said, you, this is where you start talking to God. Now you start talking to God about, we're getting attacked. We're we're getting attacked. She's getting attacked in her mind. Our kid's getting attacked over, we're getting attacked in our finance. We're being attacked in our faith. You are addressing the issue but you're not asking for the direction. You're not requesting the answer. Does that make sense? You are informing God of something he already knows, kind of like when the disciples were in the storm and he would have passed them by had they not cried out. He knew about their storm. He was in the storm with them, but he wanted them to reach out with their voice. Okay? And so he said, if you're going to defeat this, you start talking to God, and then you bring up the subject where the attack is. But here's where we all go wrong. We think that when you talk to God, then you bring up the problem. Now it's time to ask for the answer. But Paul said, here's where you go wrong. You go from prayer to supplication to requesting. But the formula is prayer and supplication with not and thanksgiving, because sub- prayer connects you to supplication. You're talking to God. It's, it's natural. Start talking to God about the problem. Supplication would naturally, I want you to get this, would naturally connect you to requesting. You're on the subject matter of the problem. Thanksgiving should, be, should not be in the equation here. That's why it says with thanksgiving instead of and thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication and and thanksgiving would suggest that supplication connects you to thanking God. But it doesn't. So Paul said prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In other words, you need to add something. When you start to bring up how bad it is, when you start to bring up how terrible things are, you need to interrupt the pity party and say, but I'm going to thank you anyway for what you... I know you don't want to do that. You want to tell God how terrible things are, but he's letting you know if you want to have peace, then you need to tell me how great I am before you ask something of me. (laughs) 
What are you saying? Because the human nature, God, things are bad. What are you going to do about it? Where are you? Do you care? But Paul said, tell them things are bad. You're amazing. Things are terrible. You're still God. We're struggling, but you know where we are. We're scared, but you see us. We're worried, but you know everything about our life. I don't know where the answer's coming from, but I know that I was bought with a price, and your blood covered me, and you filled me with your spirit, and you saved my family, and you delivered us from this, and you protected us from that. (laughs) Then bring up your request. Here's why. If, I want to hope this makes sense. If you never tap into thanksgiving and you go straight into requesting, you are praying from a position of the need. You're praying from the circumstance. Your, your vision is from the problem. But if you interrupt that and you talk about him, Your vision goes from your problem to how great he is. And so when you go to ask for the answer, you're not asking from a need. You're asking from faith because you just recognize that somebody greater than my situation is in the arena. That's why the disciples in the storm, when he was asleep in the boat, had they, had they done the formula, had they said, Lord, talking to God, hey, Lord, wake up, Jesus. Things are bad, like we're drowning. And had they said, but you're greater than this storm. And we know you can stop it. And we know you can bring peace. He would not have said, oh, ye of little faith. He said, oh, ye of little faith, because they forgot to thank him for how great he is. I dare somebody going through hell to lift up your voice and thank God anyway, because when you thank God, you change the atmosphere and you see what God can say. Somebody take a praise break right now. Somebody take a Thanksgiving break. It's the fall season. You ought to thank God for everything he's done, everything he's not done, everything he is, and everything he's not. (laughs) We're not even into the stuff yet. We're just getting there. So the answer, the formula, is talk to God. Then talk to God about it. Thank him for it, then ask him for it. We go talk to God, talk to God about it, ask him for it, thank him for it if he does it. But Paul said, you're not going to win a mental war with that. Here's how you defeat the adversary. Start talking to him. Start talking to God. Start telling him about the problem and then shift into thanksgiving. And when you're in the middle of Thanksgiving, bring up the request. Because God has a, ready, here's the secret. God has a hard time saying no when you're bragging about him. My kids can get a quick no out of me by the way they approach me. 
Dad, give me this. Uh, how about you go to your room where you get spanked? I mean, uh. <laughs> Dad, I want this. I have a two-year-old daughter. She just comes up and says, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> Candy. <laughs> it's hard for me to say no. He, Jesus even said, if you know how to give gifts to your kids, don't you think your heavenly father knows? Somebody ought to try a new formula. Stop getting mad at God for every little thing that goes wrong and start, Jesus, I love you. You, you, know, you know we're going, but we love you. Can, you. can you come here and help us? I promise you that this week there will be so many answered prayers in this church alone. If somebody shifted from requesting to thanking, they would see God interrupt the crisis and bring an answer out of nowhere because he cannot resist you. Let's go deeper. And the peace of God. Whether you get the answer immediately or not, instantly, the peace of God. I don't know about you, but I would do anything for peace. You can have everything in the world. If you don't have peace, you're not happy. You can have nothing and have peace and have, be just fine. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. See, the reason why the word understanding is there is because normally you need understanding to have peace. Normally you need a certain amount of information about what's going on for your mind to have peace. See, faith is not like that. Faith is blind. Faith just steps out on water. Faith says, I don't know what's going to happen, but God's going to come through. You don't need understanding for faith. But normally to have peace, you need understanding. And God said, I've got a, I've got a dimension of peace that doesn't make sense. The information you normally need to give you a peace of mind. It's not even there, but yet you feel peace anyway. It's peace that does not make sense. It's there's no money in the account, and the bills are due Tuesday, but somehow I'm not worried about it because God is. It's there's. The doctors have found something. They don't know what it is. They sound pretty nervous, but I'm not worried about it because it's the nation is in a crisis. Everything's exploding, but I'm not worried because something is in the atmosphere of this building. When I come in this room, that brings me. Peace of God has an assignment in two areas. First of all, the assignment, the peace of God, to keep. In the Greek, it's literally to guard, to protect by a military guard, to prevent hostile invasion. That's what the, the words to keep mean right there. Guard. Okay? The peace of God is sent to guard two areas of your life. Your hearts and your minds. 
Now, when I read that, Pastor Shaw, and you're smarter than I am, I thought, heart and brain. Pretty deep. It's not what it is. Heart, heart is that. It's cardia in the Greek, which is literally the, the, the organ or the center of your being. But minds shocked me. H-Y-M-O-N in the Greek. You and yours is what it means. You and yours. The peace of God, when you tap into praying right, is sent to guard you and anything attached to you. That means you've got a backslidden kid, but the devil cannot kill her or kill him because you have tapped into praying the right way and the kid is attached. Somebody ought to praise God right now. I know you got some family members that are lost, but God said there's some peace I'm attaching to them because of how you pray. Like Eli Hernandez said one time, if you've got lost loved ones, start praying for God to get jealous over them. Because he said when God gets jealous, he doesn't go hurt them. He goes and hurts the thing that took them. Some of you ought to start praying, God, get jealous over my kid right now. Get jealous over my family. Get jealous over it. I'm going to pray in peace. Why? Because there's something about God chasing down what is yours when you have peace. So, he said, the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds. And then he shifts into all these things you're supposed to think about. Whatsoever is true and honest and lovely and just and good report. All these different, all these different things. Pure. He's like, if you're going to be a thinker, because I know you anxiety people, you're always trying to think about something. He said, if you're going to really try to be a thinker, start changing how you think and start changing what you think about. Because I know it's your nature to think of everything that's going to go wrong. Thank you to all six of you. I know I'm in your house. It's in your nature to always see the negative. And Paul said, if you're going to start thinking, start thinking about things that praise him. Ready? Because I'm about to give you a bomb right here. If you'll start Going from here's the formula to get the peace of God. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, request. But if you shift into thinking continually like this. Ready? The next verse says this. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now watch this. When you just pray the formula, you get the peace of God. When you shift your thinking, you get the God of peace. They're two different things. The peace of God is a product from God, but the God of peace is the source of everything that's peaceful. And he said, if you, Kota, if you will start to think about things that praise him, the God of peace will be with you. So the peace of God guards you, and the God of peace guides you. 
Somebody's going to leave this house guarded and guided by the peace of God and the God of peace. You came in here with demons swarming around your thoughts, messing with you, whispering things. But when you leave here, there will be angels all around you because you have shifted your thinking. I'm not going to speak things that are negative. I'm going to speak things that bring life and bring joy and bring peace. Remember when Adam and Eve were cursed? They ate the fruit. And right before all that, something was so powerful. I don't know if I've, t- if I've said it here before, but it was so powerful because Adam named every animal. Elephant, giraffe, tiger, bear, zebra. But when his wife came to him, he didn't name her. He called her woman. Read it. It's in your Bible. Gave her no value. She goes to the tree, eats the fruit. God goes on a cursing rampage. You're going to have pain in childbirth. You're going to have sweat. You're going to work from the sweat of your brow. You're going to die. And the verse after God curses them to die, watch this. Adam looks at his wife and calls her name Eve. For she is the mother of all living. Eve's name means life. God just cursed them with death. And Adam looks back at God and says, I speak life to her. You're you're, you're afraid to clap. (laughs) And God stops cursing, kills a lamb, and starts covering them because God cannot resist it when you want to speak fear and you want to speak negativity. But instead, you say, I know you're going to come through. I know you're going to make a way. I know you're going to provide. I know you're going to answer. I know you're going to heal. I know you're going to hear me. See, the God of peace, if he really gets in your house, you go from worry about the circumstance, is he going to come through, to worried, is he, oh, is he here? Because nothing matters if he's here. Whether we live in a mansion or a shack, he's here. Whether we drive an expensive car or we ride a bicycle, he's here. Whether we have the nicest food or we're barely me, he's here. And if he's here, ready? The enemy cannot take you out if he's here. No weapon that is formed against you is able to prosper if he's here. If God is in your house, who can come? If God before you. Someone needs to stand up one more time, shaking with fear and worry, and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? I believe God knows where we are. You want to praise him right now. You want to worship him right now. can stay standing. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Moms and dads, you already know all this stuff. 
We have four kids. Jude was born first. Seven months old, elevator. Lady gets on the elevators. Had no idea she was a witch. Starts cursing our son. Seven months old, in demonic tongues. I'm not for hitting girls. But boy, you watch a lady start cursing your baby. I had to block her and say, get away. Walked out, she cursed us all the way to the car. He screamed all night long. A few months later, they tried to choke him to death. Something was stuck in his throat. I called it out three hours before it happened. I spoke it. Saw him coming. Then Jet was born. And Jet was three years old. Jet's five now. When Jet was three, he started, we thought it was an imaginary friend he was talking to. Had a name. Had no idea it was a demon. Little three-year-old boy starting to say stuff that would scare the daylights out of you. One night I was in the hotel. We were going to preach Sunday morning, and I, the Lord woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Went out in the living room of the hotel, the little living area there. Jude and Jet normally sleep on the little fold-out couch. Jude was sleeping. Jet wasn't there. Jet, Jet, Jet. He crawls up underneath the couch with a butcher knife, pointed up at his chest. Three. He crawled up on the counter and found it. Then our little baby girl was born. And about a week after she was born, she, she laid down and started choking, laying down. We rushed her to the hospital for almost a year straight. She dealt with this silent thing that if you laid her down, she would choke. We would have to sit up straight every night, hold her, stand, hold her upright. As soon as she would lay back, she would start choking. That'll give you a prayer life. And then baby Jax was just born. Before he was born, we were preaching in Apopka, Florida. Drove eight hours there. And we wake up in the middle of the night and the bed's covered in blood. And Janae rushes to the hospital and I take all three kids to church to preach. <laughs> the doctors say the baby's going. Sorry, ma'am. There's nothing we can do. So we preach and 17 people get the Holy Ghost and I'm happy for all of them, but yet my mind's not on any of that. We, they send her to the hotel. We have to drive eight hours home. Stop several times on the way. Massive hematoma. Halfway through, she started praising God. She gets to the hospital the next morning. She goes into her doctor, works at the hospital. She tells her everything. She says, okay, well, let's just see what happened. And the hematoma disappears on the screen. I'm not preaching you a sermon. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that there's a God of peace. The lady in my dad's church who had two boys in 20 years or 25 years ago, one jumped off a bridge. She wasn't even in church then. Gets in church, marries a guy in my dad's church, has a little boy, eight years old. He's on a snow machine, gets hit by a truck. The truck goes on top of him. 45 minutes, the truck's on top of his stomach. Organs are turned to soup. 
brain dead, everything. Rush him to the hospital. Eight days, nothing. She keeps begging God, send him back. After eight days, he wakes up. Organs are hardened. And he's like, Mom, where am I? I was, I was with Jesus. I don't want to be here. I was with Jesus. Five years later, after her and her husband get divorced, he gets in an argument with his dad, and they find him at 13 years old, dead in the barn. Two boys, both dead. You know where she was at Sunday morning? Worshiping God. Some of you have got more, you've, been, you've got more war stories. You've got more pain. You've been through more stuff than people can imagine. You, you went through it and didn't get the answer. Didn't get the peace. Didn't get the miracle. But he kept you. And I know you're numb from the story to try to take any of the glory. But with your numb hands and with your numb worship, I dare you, whoever you are in this room, I know you've suffered and I know you're hurting, but I dare you to praise him anyway because the God of peace. Some of you have the peace of God, but some of you have the God of peace. feel the gifts of the Spirit in this room. Someone needs to receive the word of the Lord right now. Someone pray with your family right now. If your family's near you, I know you can't. I know you can't. If you want to come to the front, come up here, you can. But if you want to come anywhere you are, I want, to, I want you to pray with your family if they're with you. If they're not, come to the altar and pray. But I sense something in the atmosphere that wants to go to your houses right now. Some of you are being tempted to keep asking God for his hand. You keep asking God, where's the answer? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Where's the thing that I need? Instead of saying, God, I just want you. And whether you answer me or not, I've got to get back to seeking the face of God. Will someone pray with your family? right now would dad take over the atmosphere mom would you help take over the atmosphere right now we're not going to talk like we've been talking we're not going to speak those negative words but we're going to say lord we need your peace we need you
peace. Whether he answers to me the way I want him to or not, I just want peace. That's it. Pray with your family right now. Teenager, don't be too, don't be too cool. Let mom and dad pray with you right now. Let mom and dad pray with you right now. Let them pray for you. There's peace. There's a covering coming upon you right now. The peace of God shall keep your hearts and minds. You and yours. Anything attached to you. Somebody give a little thanksgiving. Somebody say, God, we thank you that you've kept your hand on us. Thank you that you've kept your hand on our family. Thank you you've kept your hand on our kids. Thank you you've kept your hand on us, God. Oh, we've asked for stuff. Maybe we didn't get what we want, but you've kept your hand on us. Maybe we were asking amiss. Maybe we asked the wrong thing, but oh, we cannot go wrong asking for you to just be here. Hold my hand, God. Carry me through the wilderness, God. Hold my hand in the storm, God. I'm not asking you to stop it. I'm just asking you to be in the boat. I'm not asking you to fix it. I just want to know that you're here. Stop demanding the proof of his presence to be him answering the prayer. The proof of his presence is peace. There's peace in this room like a blanket just hovering over the pews and over the altar and over the platform. There's peace. I've got you. I've got you. I know what's going on. I see you. I see the tears no one sees. I see the pain no one knows about. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You don't know what we're going through, preacher. You don't know how bad it is. Apparently he does. That's why he sent me to tell you that. I don't know how bad it is, but apparently he does. Because he's trying to get into your house right now. He's trying to get into your conversations. He's trying to get into your thinking life, your thought life. He's trying to get everywhere you'll let him in. He's trying to get in.
Come on, Dad, pray like you know how. Come on, Dad, weep over those kids. Come on, Mom. You know how to tap into the peace of God. Things can't get worse, preacher. You're right, they're about to get better. You're right, peace is coming. Feel the Holy Ghost, Pastor Shaw. Feel the Holy Ghost. Thanksgiving. this and I'll let it go here's how you know you're in real Thanksgiving when it goes from being general to being specific when you go from I love you thank you for your the blood thank you for the name thank you on you're, you're saying wonderful things but then you say thank you for that day when that thing happened and you stopped it or you didn't stop it but you carried me through it that's real Thanksgiving when you start to get personal. And when you start to get personal, you drown out the enemy because you overcome the adversary by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. And the greatest testimony is a testimony loaded with thanksgiving. 
Pastor Shaw's coming with every hand raised, with every mouth open. And can we leave this building thanking God for something he's done in our own life. Somebody remind God what he did. So I will walk in your peace. victory comes from. This is where breakthrough comes from. Oh, my victory, my victory, my victory.